Amen. Good morning. We're encroaching on nearly afternoon. Um, my name is Hannah, and I'm part of Lagan Valley Vineyard that is based in Lisburn. Um, and I'm married to the wonderful James Toll, who was leading us in worship this morning. Where are you? There you are. Um, it is such a privilege to um, be with you guys this morning. This is um, not my normal five, nine to five. I don't know if it's anybody's normal nine to five, but it's definitely not my normal nine to five. Um, I work part time for a mental health company, and I also work part time for WTC Theology. Uh, for those of you that have heard of WTC, can you throw a hand up? Amazing. There's lots of you that haven't heard of WTC, and um, WTC um, offers part time fully accredited degree pathways in studying theology. And WTC, it has a vision of what does it look like for the whole church to be grounded in really good, robust theology. And I don't mean just those that are working within ministry, but what does it look like for our full-time parents, our politicians, our musicians, our baristas, and our administrators to be grounded in really good, robust theology as they carry that into their everyday. And so um, that's what WTC is really passionate about. So it has part-time pathways to help come alongside people that have busy lives. Um, and there's tons of academic support, regardless of what age or stage that you're at, um, to become grounded in really, really good theology. And there's a stand out there. So afterwards, if you would like to find out a little bit more about WTC, myself, and there'll be some past and current students that would absolutely love to connect with you. Um, so yep, that is WTC. And I have the absolute privilege this morning um, of sharing as we come to a close of an incredible weekend. Um, and, yeah, and I know for so many that are here this morning that this is your first morning with us. And uh, we are so, so glad to have you um, along. And over the last um, few days, we have been looking into the areas of faith, of humility, and of hunger. With faith, we've been looking, do we see the world around us through eyes of fear or through eyes of faith? And we spend time asking God to come and open up our eyes so that when we leave this place, we will have fresh vision to see what God is doing in our workplaces, in our families, everywhere that we step foot into. What is God doing then we looked at humility. We looked at how Jesus was a king that was marked by humility that came to serve the world around him. And with fresh eyes to see, we asked ourselves, where are the gaps in the world today that we can fill as we come to serve Jesus and those around us? And then last night, we looked at the area of hunger. God is continuing to write his story over this land, and it's a generational story, as we've heard this morning, and we pray that with fresh eyes and humility to serve, that we will see Jesus meeting the people of Ireland in the most difficult and unexpected of places and make something beautiful. And today, we're going to look at the area of holiness. And some of you, maybe whenever I mention holiness, are already checking to see where the emergency exits are, which are at the back of the room, by the way, if you need that. Because the moment that uh, worship and ministry starts, you are out of there. 
You're like, Hannah, if you could see the reality of my life right now, I am the furthest from holiness that I could even imagine. Maybe some of you are thinking, do you know what? I'm actually doing all right. And probably most of us are thinking, I know that holiness is really important, but I don't really know what it looks like. Now, if I'm honest, depending on what day you can catch me on, I can be any one of these three people, and sometimes all within the same day. And as I've been studying and preparing for this this morning, I've been asking the Holy Spirit with each of these people in my mind, what do you want to speak over your church this morning? And so I want to invite us, I want to invite you, no matter which person that you identify with this morning, I want to invite you to be open to what the Holy Spirit has to say beyond what I have to say. But what is the Holy Spirit stirring in you about holiness? Does that sound all right? Okay. We pray. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you in this place. We don't even welcome you. We just acknowledge that you are already here, that you've actually came here before us and that we're drawing close and meeting with you and joining in with something that you're already doing. And so we just ask right now that your voice will be amplified in our hearts. Holy Spirit, come. Amen. I want us to uh, begin in Leviticus this morning. No, some of you are like, what on earth are we doing in Leviticus? But it actually talks about holiness um, a lot. Uh, the word holy or holiness, it comes from the Hebrew root kodesh, which means to be set apart or unique. And it appears 468 times in the Old Testament. And of these 468 mentions, 92 of them are found in Leviticus. And so that means across 39 books in the whole of the Old Testament, one-fifth of the mentions of holiness appear in this one book. And so that is why we are going to spend some time in Leviticus this morning. Now, context is really important for this book. Um, so a really quick snapshot is that Moses has led the Israelites out of slavery. Uh, they don't have a place to call home yet, so they're living in tents. And they've just camped at the foot of Mount Sinai, and Moses has just relayed to them the Ten Commandments. And in terms of a bit of a like DTR, which is define the relationship for those that are over the age of 30 in the room, in terms of a DTR between God and the Israelites, God has in, um, initiated a relationship between himself and his people. And the Israelites, they're trying to figure out how they can accept this invitation. In summary, the whole book of Leviticus, it's about God initiating a relationship with the Israelites to come and to dwell in his presence. Now, if you were to go home tonight and flick through Leviticus, uh, just before you go to sleep, you're going to be like, what on earth is this girl talking about? All I can see is all of these offerings and sacrifices and really strange, bizarre laws that seem completely irrelevant. Um, but that's because context is really, really important. 
It's really important to get into the shoes of the Israelites in their story. And so I want us just to take a moment to do that. So can I invite you just to close your eyes? I'm just going to take a moment just to place ourselves in that story. I want you to picture that you're outside in the middle of nowhere at the foot of a mountain. And there's this really large rectangular tent. Some of you are find this hard to imagine, but just try, keep your eyes closed, lean in, and you're looking at this big tent, and you're surrounded by hundreds of people. And these people, if you're really honest, they don't smell too great. It's as if they maybe haven't showered for a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks. And within this tent that they have all gathered around is the presence of God. And these people, they long, they hunger to learn how that they can live in such a way that they can stay close to this presence wherever they go. Keep your eyes closed. Keep staying in that tent. And I just want to read out what Moses would have called out to the people speaking on behalf of God. Leviticus 19 verse 2 with a slight change by me. Therefore, Nuaites, be holy for I, the Lord your God, I'm holy. Why don't you open your eyes? Be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. I wonder if I was to ask you or to tell you this week that you need to go and be holy, what would that look like? For to go back to our Hebrew definition of holy as set apart or unique, we tend to think of being set apart or unique in terms of our behaviors. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary, it defines holy as someone or something that is religious or morally good, one perfect in goodness and righteousness talk about a high bar. Words like religious, morally good, and perfect are all really misleading because then we can find ourselves thinking that holiness is something that we can earn or something that we can never live up to. This type of holiness, it becomes synonymous with legalism or in Northern Irish terms, good living. There are rules and there are standards to earn and to protect our status as holy. And subsequently, there's ways that we can lose it. And yet, when we look at examples of holiness in the Bible, there's something different going on. Holiness, it doesn't appear to be the same as being religious or morally good. 
For example, the first time that we come across the word holy, Kodesh, um, it's in Genesis to describe the Sabbath. Genesis 2, verse 3, then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Fast forward to Exodus 3, verse 5, Moses encounters a burning bush and God says to him, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then throughout the Bible, like we've heard in Leviticus already, we find God calling his people again and again and again to be holy. And what is it that connects these things together? Because the Sabbath and the ground, they can't themselves behave in a way that is set apart or unique. And the Israelites could definitely not be described as religious or morally good. The Sabbath, the ground, and the Israelites... They're all set apart and unique through their relationship with God. It's God that is the ultimate source and definition of holiness. 1 Samuel 2, verse 2, There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. And therefore, it isn't possible for us to earn holiness through how we conduct ourselves, what we do or we don't do, what we say, what we don't say, what we believe or what we don't believe. There is no way that we can earn the status of holy other than through a relationship with God because he is the ultimate source and definition of holiness. Be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Our call to holiness, it is not a call to religion or good living, but it is a call to him. It's about relationship, not religion. Now, in Leviticus, the Israelites had a bit of an issue because sin kept getting in the way of this relationship that God was inviting them into. And that's really simply what sin does. It interrupts our relationship with God. And so in order to try and mediate this relationship, there was an annual sacrifice that was made by a selective priest. And this priest, once a year, would enter the tabernacle where the presence of God was called the Holy of Holies and present this offering on behalf of all the Israelite people to mediate their sins. Fast forward from 400 BC to 2023, what mediates our sin from interrupting our, inter inter from interrupting our relationship with God it is Jesus. It's Jesus who mediates our relationship to God, the ultimate priest, the ultimate sacrifice. And through Jesus and the revelation of the incarnation the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension, and the day of Pentecost, it is Jesus who mediates and sustains our relationship with God. I want to read to you Hebrews 4, 
14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not need to have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What makes us holy, it's relationship, not religion. And what mediates sin from interrupting this relationship, it's Jesus, and it is only Jesus. And for so long, I feel we, the church across Ireland, have been known for our good living religion. And we, the church across Ireland, bear the scars to prove it. And yet, something is stirring and we have been catching glimpses of this this weekend. Something is stirring. God is continuing to write his story over this land. It's a generational story that we, with fresh eyes and humility to serve, will see Jesus meeting people in the most unexpected and difficult of places and make us into something beautiful, something holy. Today we've heard stories of how our young people, our kids and our youth have had significant encounters with Jesus this weekend. And last night we heard of how there are waves of churches spreading out across the west coast of Ireland. God is not distant or dead, but he is alive and he is moving in this land. And as we pray and we hunger to see people know Jesus, to truly know Jesus, we need to understand that these people are tired of religion and they are desperate for relationship. And I want to ask us this morning, are we ready? Are our hearts and are our postures ready as individuals and as churches to point these people towards relationship with Jesus? Or is all that we know religion? Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, the words of Jesus, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you will find a real rest. I will show you how to recover your life. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. 
Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. If you find yourself here this morning and you're struggling with addiction and shame, but you have given your yes to walking with Jesus, you need to hear this morning, you need to know this morning that you are holy. More holy than the Bible scholar of 30 years that's never submitted themselves to Jesus. If you find yourself here this morning and you feel that your relationship is broken with God or doesn't exist, but you want to recover your life with him, you need to hear this morning that you don't need to do anything to earn your way. You don't need to behave in order to belong. All you need to say is yes to Jesus's invitation to recover your life with him. Please hear me, I'm not saying that our behaviors aren't important. Of course they are. But it's our relationship with God that forms our behaviors. It's not the other way around. James and I, we laugh about this all the time. If we're, we're just chatting, as married people do. And uh, sometimes I will just throw in this random wee phrase. I don't know if anybody else does this, but just sometimes I'll just say something, some random phrase in James, because when somebody brings in something new to the vocabulary, you always notice it. And it was last month, was good grief. Good grief. I just kept randomly saying it. Something happened, I'd be like, good grief. James was like, where on earth have you got this from? And anyway, so I noticed this, I clocked it, and I was in work um, one day, and my boss, something happened, and all of a sudden they were like, good grief, this is happening again. I was like, I found it. This is where it came from. <laughs> our relationships, whether we are aware of it or not, but they form our behaviors. Greg Bale, he says this, what people revere, they resemble, either for ruin or for restoration. And I believe this is God's desire and purpose for our lives, that as we spend more time with him and grow in our relationship with him, we become more like him and we are transformed into people that are marked by holiness, carrying restoration everywhere that we go as we leave this place. Relationship, not religion. And it's relationship that forms our behaviors, not the other way around. What then does holiness look like? Well, let's jump back to Leviticus, our new favorite book this morning. Leviticus 19. It starts with, be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And then I'm jumping down to verse 10 here. Here's some examples of what holiness looks like. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. 
Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Don't hold back wages from a hired worker overnight. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. Verse 18, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against you or anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Keep my decrees. Jesus summarizes this in Matthew twenty-two thirty-four. 34. It says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, and one of them, an expert in the law, and Leviticus is part of the law, by the way, an expert of the law tested him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Holiness through relationship, not religion, is expressed through our behaviors of love for those around us. Love the Lord and love your neighbor. Relationship first and behavior second. I want to just recap as I come to a close this morning. What makes us holy? It is relationship, not religion. And what mediates sin from interrupting this relationship? It is Jesus and only Jesus. And thirdly, what does holiness look like? It looks like love for God and for those around us. And that is what holiness is all about. And on Friday night, Andy challenged us that we can't go to a place that we haven't seen before. And if we dream to see an island that is filled with holy people of God, we need to start by first seeing it in ourselves. We don't really like doing this in Ireland. We try to keep ourselves so low But we need to see that in order to recognize and call out the holiness of other people around us, we need to understand that we are holy. And so as holiness begins with relationship, we're going to just take some time really simply together to reconnect ourselves to God Whether we feel like we're just one degree off or that we've done a full 180, we're going to take a moment to do that and we're going to remember the mediating presence of Jesus in our lives. And we're going to do that by sharing communion and spending some time in worship. Holly and James, do you guys want to jump up? Here's the thing um, about relationships. 
If something disconnects James and I, if we've had an argument or something, um, if something disconnects us from each other, we've learned that it is really important that we don't just pretend that nothing happened. It's really important to reconnect with each other, to take time to have a conversation, to name what's happened and to remind each other that we love one another. And the same comes for our relationship with God. And communion, it's a really helpful and beautiful practice for us to help reconnect. And so I want to invite us, whatever your week, your month, your year has looked like, this is a moment for us to reconnect to the love of God. And communion, it's for those of us that are in any shape or form moving towards Jesus. And so I want to invite you, whether that feels like a sprint or a stumble, to come and to share with us this morning. As you're coming in, just a really practical one, you will um, have been given one of these little weird and wonderful communion pods. Um, if you haven't got one of these, just pop your hand up and uh, one of the stewards will come around and, and give you one. So yeah, just keep your hand up until somebody will come and get you. Um, if you haven't used these wee cups before, uh, really simply, there's like a, a first layer that you pull off and then you have the wafer that is gluten-free. Um, and then the second layer comes off and that is the juice. We're going to take some time in prayer and ministry after we share communion and worship. But um, I just want to invite the prayer team, if they want to just be around up at the front here. Um, if you just really feel like you need somebody to come and pray over you as you take communion this morning, um, these guys would love to pray with you. Don't feel like you need to come up and share anything, but if you just know that you need prayer, um, these guys will be here. For the rest of us, just you can just stay seated for, for just a moment, but I'd love us just to take um, a moment just personally to fix our attention on God as we come to share communion together. And so I want to invite you uh, maybe to change your posture in some way whilst you're still sitting, but whether you want to put your hands out in front of you, maybe you want to put your hand in your heart, maybe you want to kneel, whatever that looks like for you, but just to invite you to change your posture in a way as we just come and settle ourselves and just be aware of the presence of God in this place. Holy Spirit, come. Let's just take a moment of stillness. Holy Spirit, come.
Jesus, you are the high priest. Jesus, you are the ultimate sacrifice. And we come to you weary and burdened. And we confess where sin has interrupted our relationship with you. And we thank you for how your burden is light, your yoke is easy. Come and teach us your unforced rhythms of grace. And lead us in your love to those around you as people marked by your holiness. Matthew 26, verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. And you go ahead and take the bread. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Why don't you go ahead and take the wine? I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And God, we, your people of Ireland, we come filled with faith marked by humility and hunger and holiness. We come to behold you in worship. Will this be a sweet, sweet offering to you? If you're able, will you stand with us as we come to worship?